Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at it, Bob. I went to the store. I wanted to have some squirt just to see you squirm in happiness. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I've never seen squirt in my entire life. And I went up and down the old Walmart style and I did not see anything like squirt. Well, two things there, Jimbo. First, you just added an S to Walmart, which shows that you are from the South. Secondly, they may not have it in Florida, maybe against the law some reason in Florida. I don't know why, but... Uh, there aren't many things that are against the law. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you come here to St. Louis, I'll be sure and have some ready on hand for you to enjoy. In I fact... Uh, Raz Cranberry LaCroix instead. Yeah. There's a lot of people who have a lot of things to say about LaCroix, and most of it ain't good. Yeah. LaCroix is for when you want to be healthy, but you're too fat to drink water. And so you <laughs> drink LaCroix just kind of, and you imagine in your mind that it's some sort of great soda beverage. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey man, is it hot in Jacksonville? Good grief. It's hot. It is, it is cook your breakfast on the sidewalk hot right now. It is hotter than high school love here in St. Louis. Oh man, that's pretty hot. That's uh that is, that's what my, <laughs> that's what my youth pastor, he would come out and say, whew. It's hotter than high school love, and baby, oh. that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not talking about high school relationships today, but we Ooh. are talking about a different kind, maybe much less steamy, but a different kind of partnership and relationship. I see what you did there. That was really well played. That was really well played. That's good. Yeah, we're talking about church partnerships. In fact, we got a question on the old Replant Bootcamp Facebook page. Yeah. Do you remember who sent that in to us, Jimbo? Johnny Upchurch. All right. That's a really good replanter name. That's a quarterback name. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying, but it's like a quarterback replanter name, like Upchurch. Yeah. Come on up. Get on up, church. Get on. Johnny Upchurch. Instead of Johnny Football, Johnny Upchurch. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. So he sent in a great question. There's a topic that I would really like to hear more on. It is about cultivating and growing partnerships with other replanters and churches. So let's start out with just replanters. As you develop relationships with the replanters, one of the great ways to do that is through social media. That may not be the local, but just starting big, starting kind of nationally through the replant bootcamp, through church replanters, things like that. You can connect with a lot of guys all over the place. I know on the church replanters Facebook page, there's a lot of talking back and forth and connecting with guys through social media in that way nationally. But what are some ways that maybe they could find people to connect with more locally. Yeah. One of the ways, um, be involved in your local association uh, in St. Louis, we have several guys that have replanted churches here. And, and so just reaching out to a guy and saying, Hey, let's grab lunch or getting a few of the replanters together and not waiting for somebody who is like in an associational role to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Take some initiative on your own and reach out get together with some guys and talk about what you're experiencing. That's one of the things we used to do uh, somewhat more regularly than we do now, but we would just talk about the dynamics of, of leading a replant, how challenging it was, how we're handling transitions and things we wish we do done differently. And 
the new guys, when the new guys come in and they're just starting their replant journey, kind of the older guys that have been through some things can really just listen and offer some counsel, give some good questions. And it's a great way to do that. So don't underestimate the power of the local association and other guys in your metro area. Yeah, in our association, we have a monthly meeting of replanters and revitalizers that just to kind of give a loose structure to the meeting, we usually go through a book together, one chapter at a time, but you're talking one chapter a month and we'll have some good discussion on it. But oftentimes it will rabbit trail off into whatever some guy needs to talk about at the time. There's great conversations beforehand, after, and there's some great times of, you know, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee and you make some connections through some things like that. And there can really be a lot of encouragement just in that, uh, that can help you for the long haul to stay in, just knowing that you're not alone. The important thing is to find a guy who's been a little bit further down the road than you have, that's had some experience, because you want to learn from some of their head wounds and some of their heartaches and and their wisdom. And oftentimes there'll be a guy in town that's done done a little bit longer than you that can give you some great insight. And then I think for the guys that are have engaged in replanting and revitalization for some time, man, reach out to that young guy who's brand new and he's probably overwhelmed and is trying to keep his head above water. So reach out to him, buy his lunch, particularly, you know, take him out, just ask him how things are going and establish that relationship. I think that's key. One of the keys to getting together with other guys in groups is you really kind of lower the barriers a little bit and realize that it's okay to talk about the struggles that you're facing and not to, you know, have to manage your image or say that everything's great at the church when it's not. I'll never forget coming out of our darkest season. I got to sit with a guy who was about 10 to 15 years ahead of me in a pretty successful replant. And I was telling him everything was going on, everything that happened. And I felt like a massive failure. And I was, I was, I was being just incredibly transparent, just like, Hey, here's the mistakes I know I've made. Here's what's happened. Here's what's going on. And man, he was so good and so comforting and encouraging and challenging in a lot of ways. But I always remember him saying, you've been through the worst of it now. And it's kind of like when you go clean out uh, an old closet or storage shed, that was just full of mildewy old stuff. And even though you've taken all that stuff out of there, there's still kind of a funk that just stays around for a little while and he said that's you're in that funk right now you you kind of cleaned it out but now you're in the funk and that actually was really helpful for me because I felt like will this misery ever end or Mm -hmm. or is this just always going to be a church with kind of a dark cloud over of tension and he really helped coach me through that and actually that relationship with him eventually turned into a relationship where his church now partners financially with our church as a partner church and so that has been it's 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 brought more structure to our relationship. And so we get together on a regular basis and he wants to know what's going on in my life, what's going on in the church. And I go, I've spoken at their youth camp before things like that. And so it is a little bit of a two way relationship at times, but it's been really valuable to have that as a official partnership for a few years now. That's so good that that developed out of a friendship and a kind of a mentorship. And I think a lot of the replanters that are looking for partnerships, they probably have a, an existing group of people that they already have a pre-existing relationship with. And those can form some of the basis of the partnerships that might help them in their replant. And I would say when it comes to trying to find partner churches that are going to partner with your church, I'm a big believer in money is not really going to solve your problems. And trust me, like I get it and I know what it's like to not have the money at the church and to have the poor budget. 
Um, been there, done that, still there somewhat. But I, I'm a big believer in, man, just focus on the things that you can do. Focus on the, the vision that you have. If you can't accomplish the vision for your church without increased finances, then maybe you're running your own vision instead of the Lord's. It's such a good thought because most of us grew up in a time in church life when vision was linked to programming and activity rather than practices and discipling people and all those sorts of things. So the thing that we always forget is Jesus didn't have a church budget. No. He, just, he didn't, right? Exactly. He showed up to an event and was like, I think we got to feed everybody. What, what do we got? <laughs> right? I just think we need to, obviously, we, we can't operate without a church budget and we've got expenses and things like that. But I, I do think sometimes we freak out a little bit and think we can't do ministry if we don't have a, a pretty substantial budget. But that's just not true. It goes back to what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, pursue first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the rest of this will be added unto you. And I would say that's how I've seen it happen here. We, I have very rarely ever gone out and made ask for money. And when I have, we already had relationships built um, with those people. And so as a replanter, it's a little bit harder to get financial partners than church planters because no. church planters have a real clear vision of exactly where they're trying to go and a plan and a strategy of how to get there, a location, a need shown, the viability of that vision. And this is where I think you could learn a lot from church planters as a replanter or revitalizer and find a church planter in your area that is good at this. And I'm not talking about even the money side, but the able to really come up with a really clear, compelling vision for where you're going. Because our church has, we have partners, we have one, uh, we have a couple that are local partners, and then we've got two that are in South Carolina. And one of those is an old friend of mine. We've been friends for a really long time, and he's excited about what we're doing here. So they send teams down and help us do renovations or help us run Disciple Now. And they, they look out after me and my family a lot. And so they check in on us and make sure that we're okay. And they are constantly praying for us and checking in on us to make sure we're good. Another one we got in South Carolina really was, was as random as a uh, phone call they made to the Florida Baptist Convention. And they said, hey, we're looking for a plant, a replant to partner with in Jacksonville, Florida, because it's only a four-hour drive for a mission trip. And I was just fresh on the convention employee's mind at the time. And, and so they connected us with them. And so they send mission teams and things like that as well. And that's so good. Don't, don't underestimate the power of relational connections through your history. Like, you know, pastors, you know, places you were attended as a church, as a, you know, a youngster or in college, professors, you know, from seminary, et cetera, that as we think about our partners, obviously we're going to need local partners and local relationships, but we also need regional and really, you know, kind of a more extended area partnerships. The further away people are, the more likely it is they're going to send resources rather than, you know, participate. Like you mentioned, the church wanted to be looking for a partnership church for hours because they, some partners just don't want to be hands-on, right? They want to get there. They want to see, they want to go. And those really are some of the best partnerships uh, because you, you receive, not only do you receive help from them, but you receive encouragement, um, care, those sorts of things. And so don't, don't always think that your partnerships just have to be transactional in terms of just like exchange of resources. The pastoral care part for your family, the prayer support, 
uh, mentorship, people that you can call and just say, hey, here's the situation I'm dealing with. You've been at this a little longer than I have. Have you come across that? Have you had to lead through something like this? What are you doing? How can I learn from you? Those can be really great ways to partner with the church. But other way is sometimes they'll just say, hey, will you come preach at our church or whatever? And we're going to pay for your whole family to come up. The, we nice. have a church in South Carolina, one of them, uh, Lexington Baptist Church in South Car- in Lexington, South Carolina. We're one of their mission partners. And so they bring all their mission partners in every year for a kind of mission fair weekend, pay all the expenses and feed them while they're there and just make it a great time. And I, and I don't even preach. I get up on stage and answer a couple questions and say something and have a booth kind of at a mission spare and get to talk to people and, and hand out information about our church. That's great. Hey, one of the aspects that is important in a partnership is defining the relationship with the partner to determine what kind of partnership is this, right? Is it a mentoring? Is it a coaching? Is it a resourcing? When Halleck and I wrote the book, Pathways of Partnership, we, we kind of spelled out some different levels and, and versions of partnership, and each of them have a different impact, and they also have a different weight in terms of what it requires from you as a church that's being partnered with. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to clearly communicate to the guys that are thinking about partnerships is partnership is a two-way street, right? That you're looking to receive something, but you're also looking to give something back in return. Uh, whether that's an opportunity for, for a, a church to send people to, to do mission work, that's an opportunity, right? That's a responsibility for you. Whether it's communication, giving an annual report or giving a regular report, that sort of thing. The partnership is always a two-way street. And I think sometimes guys get in trouble when they just focus on the one-way aspect of receiving something in partnership. And I get it. Like replanters, man, you are giving out and you are working hard and you're exhausted but you also have to remember to, that your partners are expecting it to be a relationship, right? And the relationship is always a two-way endeavor. Yeah, it's so important to give them things to celebrate. They want to know that they what they're investing in is making a difference in your life, in the ministry of your church, in your community. And they want to know how, how they can best see what God is doing. Define their relationship. Determine what your needs are based off of some clear understanding of what God is doing in your context through your church and through your leadership. What are, what are needs that you have? And one of the things I, as I have coached some people through doing this, there's a real temptation sometimes in replants to assume that facilities are your biggest need when sometimes that's going to be a really hard give for your partner church because they want to give to vision and they want to give to mission. And so figure out ways to have them give to mission and giving towards vision is more exciting for them. Now, what I've also seen happen on the facility side on the other side of that is, is when they believe in the vision, oftentimes they'll say, Hey, we'd like to send a mission team to do something. What are some facility things we can help you with? And at that point, then it it becomes, they become invested in the facility. So Lexington Baptist Church has sent two years in a row, sent their, actually their senior adult choir down here. And it's the hardest working mission team I've ever encountered. I mean, those people would outwork me every single day. Um, and so they did a ton of beautification on our campus, but to also keep it focused on mission, I had them go do beautification on a local middle school campus as well. 
And man, they knocked out like a week's worth of beautification in two days. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was so perfect timing because we, they just had a brand new principal come in and we already had them scheduled to come. So literally my first meeting with the brand new principal was, Hey, we already have it on the books next week to bring a great team in here, do some repainting, mulch your, your, your garden stuff and do all those things. And they were like, Oh wow, this is, this is so great. And all of a sudden they really wanted to see how we could partner together with them as a church in the school from that point on, they really helped cultivate that relationship for us. Yes. Do not underestimate the contributions of senior adults. Um, some of the best uh, workers and most faithful folks in, in a congregation are senior adults and, uh, and they love it. Right. And, and they love to serve back. They love to serve. They love to give back. And uh, we had a team that came in from a, a church, uh, a larger church in Springfield, Missouri, and they enabled us to, you know, to do some beautification and uh, remodeled some of our bathrooms, which was great and just really helped us move forward. Uh, super thankful for them. I think one other unique thing that you might want to consider prayerfully considering at this time, as it could be mutually beneficial if you go about it the right way. And I would recommend you read pathways to partnership if you're going to do this, but there are a lot of church plants out there that have been meeting in schools and are no longer going to be able to do that because yep. of COVID. I was talking with a church plant friend of mine. Uh, he's 45 minutes south of us, or I would have, I mean, obviously opened our facility to him, but he said the school told him they could come, but every Sunday, every single person would have to fill out a waiver form for the school every time they come. And so he's trying to figure out something else so that it's not so complicated. So I think he's going to end up being a Shriners club. Uh, until he can figure out what to do. But I wonder, Bob, if this isn't a providential moment for some replants or churches in need of replanting and some church plants have been meeting in schools to figure out a way to do an adoption or even a partnership meeting at different times. Because the great thing is that even even if it's just a partnership and maybe they're doing Sunday nights or Saturday nights or something like that, chances are, they're going to be more than willing to help out with some facility things and uh, help with beautification as well. But it could end up being even more involved partnership. Absolutely. Uh, I think we're on the cusp of seeing that, right? So unlike Florida, a number of our states, are their churches aren't meeting, right? And so outside of the ones that are, are meeting in violation of law in California, a, a bunch of folks are still operating within the percentage of total occupancy restrictions that have been placed on them by local county and state and city, et cetera. But when those were lifted or as those persist and as, as church planners realize we we're never going to be able to get back in the school, those kinds of partnerships are going to develop. Now that most of the time, what we see is, is those kinds of partnerships develop with uh, a church that's in without a pastor or is in decline or has a long tenured pastor and the church has really struggled and, you know, on a 20 or 30 year uh, decline rate. Partnering those kinds of churches with church plants is much more difficult than partnering a church plant with a a church that's already being replanted or in the process of being replanted or revitalized where the church is always already moving forward. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is if, if we've got some replanters out there and they're just thinking, man, you know, um, 
we've got a great facility, we've got space, and they have some church planting friends that are in the area that are in schools. It might be worth a, a providential phone call or lunch just to say, let's get together and let's, uh, let's have a conversation. What would partnership look like? And I also want to hold this out. Maybe it doesn't look like the two churches meet at different times. Maybe it looks like they join together in, in a permanent way. Mm-hmm. Right? And it accelerates the replanting of that local congregation and by combining it with a, with a church plant. Could happen. And, and I think you, you should be uh, open to that and, and yeah. maybe pursue that. Yeah, I think, again, I, if you're going to do something that significant, I highly recommend you reading Pathways to Partnerships. It, what's one or two insights out of Pathways to Partnerships for a church walking into that scenario that you would offer just on this podcast? Make sure you're doctrinally aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a critical one. I've been involved with a partnership conversation with a church plant and a long-term decline church, and they got hung up on some doctrinal issues. There were secondary issues, tertiary issues, but that, that ended up being one of the, the reasons why they did not partner together. And so there's a process. One is, is like, make sure your doctrine aligned, but I guess even backing up from there, like go through a process, like think about it as you're dating somebody and you're asking the question, would, would I ever want to get married to this person? Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to date them a while. You're going to want to have a lot of conversations with them and you're going to want to take some time to get to know them and them to get to know you. Yeah. And so that may mean you don't worship together at the same time for a while, because what can happen is, is in that case, you're, you can become emotionally entangled and, and the, the experience of having a larger group gathered for corporate worship can provide a certain kind of energy that makes you feel like the relationship is destined for greatness when it might not be. We don't need to get in our dating histories, but we probably dated some people that we were excited about until we really got to know them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't going anywhere. It we might felt like it at first, but then it's like, nope, I don't think this is going anywhere. Right? Time to change change direction. What about if two maybe struggling churches, and so they consider coming together? What are your thoughts on two struggling churches coming together? Yeah. Let me give uh, you the Walker Armstrong version of uh, a response to that. Walker said, when you take two struggling churches, that's like taking a 91-year-old and a 92-year-old and taking the 92-year-old's heart out who passed away and putting it into the 91-year-old and saying, I think we bought you about six more months. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, I mean, what it does is it multiplies the struggle. Right. So you take two unhealthy individuals and think about marriage counseling, right? You've done, you've done your fair share of marriage counseling. Oh yeah. You take two very unhealthy individuals and you put them together. Do you have less struggle and less uh, lack of dysfunction and health? No. What do you, you have more, right? So I would say if there's two struggling churches, two struggling churches does not equal one healthy church. It equals a larger unhealthy and more unhealthy church. Yeah. Yeah, I think just like money is not always the answer, more people is not always the answer. Those are the symptoms that seem to get counted the fastest and maybe hurt the most because we see the lack of people or the lack of money. And we think, well, the lack of people and the lack of money are what need to be fixed when there's really some underlying things that really need to be addressed. And you bring in somebody else that also has a lack of people and lack of money. It's not going to fix it. You may end up with more people initially 
but the underlying issues also get doubled, if not tripled in that process. Absolutely. And, and so it's not really a very healthy approach at all. Um, but I, I, would, I love this question and I appreciate the idea of not doing it alone. I don't think we're meant to do it alone. I, I don't think that's biblical for churches to go off on an island and do it alone. I do believe in the autonomy of the local church, but man, there ought to be radical partnership amongst churches. And I, I've been having more and more conversations with local pastors in Jacksonville that crave that and desire. How do we figure out more ways to partner, more ways to link arms, more ways to unify in what we're doing? Uh, I don't know if you've seen that in St. Louis, but I know in a lot of relationships I have with pastors in Jacksonville, there, there is a growing desire to figure out how to further link arms together in this work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most of them, most of the partnerships in Baptist life are causal. Like let's address this issue, this cause. Mm -hmm. And very few of them historically have been ecclesiological in the terms of, does it make sense for two bodies of believers to join together to be one body of believers to have a greater impact? And so a few guys have started writing about that. I would say, you know, some of the books that were written about that one is better together. And I can't remember the authors, but that's one of the questions they asked. Does it make sense? Are we better together? Or are we better as individual churches? That's a good question. A worthy question, right? And if you believe in the plurality of elders and you also understand the multiplied impact of more people devoted to a singular mission in a particular geographical area, then that's a worthy question to ask. So don't try to do it alone. I think the biggest thing is go ahead and start building relationships now, seeking mentors and just praying about where God may take you. It's not, it's not going to happen super transactionally. There, there is not, as far as I know, a good online dating tender version of church partnerships. Um, so you still have to do the old school, get out there and get to know people and build relationships and figure out which relationships really start to synchronize well. One of the first places, I'd say probably the best place to do that is to get to know your associational missional strategist, your, your leader, your DOM, like the point person there. Like you get to know them and you sell them the vision and cast the vision for them of what you're doing in terms of your replant. Uh, and because they're getting calls all the time, uh, particularly, and I, I don't know, you know, St. Louis is not a hot destination area where people want to come to because it's so awesome. They think, man, well, where should we go? Let's go to St. Louis, right? And so let's, let's not discount a couple things. One is people are always calling your DOM asking, is there a church that we can partner with, right? Stronger churches are continually asking that. And the person they're most likely asking is the DOM. And so if he knows you and you've got a good relationship with him and you're telling him what you're going to be, a, what, what God has laid on your heart and your church's heart for vision and what to do in that area, then you're going to come up in his mind. And so he might make some of those connections. Some of them will work out, some of them won't, but uh, that's a great place. So in, man in trying to manage all those partnerships and develop them yourself, start with your DOM. I'll tell you, it may not be the most spiritual advice I've ever heard, but it, it's, it's accurate in this. As far as looking for finances, I've been told money follows activity. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not doing anything missionally and you're not doing anything to reach your community and you're not doing anything and you go around asking for money, you're probably going to have a really hard time getting it. But if you're out there 
and you're pounding the pavement, meeting people in the neighborhood, make, trying to make a difference, engaging with schools and partnering in ways that you can in the community, it's, it's a lot easier to see a reason to want to fund something like that. Guys, we love getting questions from you on Facebook, Twitter, on the website. You can see it. There's a phone number. You can call us, leave a voicemail message. You can email us. We would love to hear from you and love to know your questions for maybe one of our next episodes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.